Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency. We help manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's show, we have Julie Jeanette joining us. Julie, who also goes by JJ, and that'll be a much easier way for me to not try (laughs) to speak French here. Uh, is an HR expert and researcher at WorkLeap, a company that builds simple employee experience software that enables people to work at their best. With 20 years of experience as an HR leader and coach, she spent a decade building and leading the HR function for a tech business growing through M&As, scaling culture, practices, and tools, always with a human touch. Coaching individuals of all levels to build cultures of engagement that lead to high performance has been a central part of her work, which she now applies to building product. Known as a trailblazer in employee engagement, she uses research to prove that investing in employee experience correlates to sunnier business outcomes. In fact, she's made it her personal mission to convince every leader of it. Mm -hmm. JJ, ready to get into it? John, I sure am. Thanks for having me. I love the the use of sunnier, sunnier business outcomes. That's such a great way to say it. Hey, you know, isn't it stronger than like better or yeah. improved? And like, there's such, there's such like overused words. And I find sunnier brings the image of the sun it illustrates in your head, it. right? It, it illustrates, illustrates it. it. There you go. Being a HR researcher and just someone so passionate in this space, I, I'm really mm-hmm. curious your take is, is we're getting ready for 2024. We're, we're kicking it off. Probably by the time this episode is live, we may have kicked it off. It may have just started. Mm-hmm. What kind of trends and predictions are you anticipating on the HR front, on the people front, on the culture front, just kind of in general? What A, a way to look at it is what's going to be the word cloud for 2024? Are word well, clouds still us. cool? Is that still cool? Yeah. Or, <laughs> they are okay. still cool. Well, right. I don't know. Like I'm in my 40s, so they're yeah, cool me for too. me. It depends I, yeah. on who's listening. <laughs> All right. Perfect. And what a play on word, right? We were talking about the sun. Now we're talking about a word cloud. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Well, you know, we all read the news. I'm not going to teach anyone anything new here, but I feel like AI is probably the most, like if you're imagining the word cloud, it's probably big right mm-hmm. at the center. It's it, There's no way to avoid talking about AI. Every week I do an HR and World of Work press review, and there's not one week where there's not like 10 articles from multiple sources talking about AI. It's inevitable. And it's... it's I'm getting like both sides of that trend, which is like, oh my God, it's scary. We have to worry about it. And we have to, you know, reimagine a world where it's going to take away so many jobs. And it's not the point, I find. We have to view it with a positive mindset. And I think my main point around that is just, and and some of the good articles that I'm reading insist on the fact that it's a co-pilot. And that part, that word is really important to me. We have to view it with a positive mindset and think, 
think about it not as a people re like replacer, but a people enhancer. The idea is to automate manual parts of our processes, if I'm speaking like from an HR standpoint, but any manual part of our job, right? And to, to see it as a way to make us human more effective because it's freeing up time for us to do the value added activities like analysis. Like it could do so many things for us to summarize a large quantity of information. Like I use it all the time. Sometimes give us I'm more, lacking. Yeah. Like we talk a lot about deep work and, and like mm -hmm. creating time to do that, but it's hard because you always have these things that little things that, that a lot can so be automated time. now. Yeah. And that's the point. It's to automate all the things that us human could be avoid could avoid doing, spending time on value add activities like creativity. But then I say that, and then the last time I personally used it was to make like a little video snippet to invite people to join to a panel I was speaking I on. That. I was like, I'm I'm lacking creativity today. Like my brain is just not working. I just opened Chat TPD and I said here's the download. Like I'm, I'm sitting on this panel. There'll be these experts. This is the theme. This is what we expect um, audience to get away, that get take away from the conversation. Draft me a 30 second little script that I can use with a tone that's like me, upbeat, inviting, but still credible, you know? In a matter of seconds, I was looking at the script. I tweaked a, a few elements. It probably saved me like an hour in my day. In 15 minutes, my little video, video was done. My script was perfect. And, and that was it, you know? There you go. It's a tool, right? Like, it's a tool. It really is a tool. It's an enhancer. I see my kids using it at school. It's There's no denying it. This is part of our future, and we have to embrace it as an opportunity. Now, in speaking to business leaders and HR leaders, right now what I'm seeing is it's in an experimental phase a lot. Like we're, we're trying to test the limits. There's a lot of like easy use cases it can be applied to, like the ones that we just discussed. But there are cases where it's dangerous, right? So we want to make sure that what went into educating those models is not enhancing biases. For example, if we're using AI to like scan resumes or do mm. job postings, we have to make sure that it's not increases increasing existing gaps. That makes sense. Just thinking, yeah, people of color, men versus women and all of that. We have to make sure that it's basically used and, and trained properly. And so there's a lot of leaders that I'm seeing like trying to make little experiments, but still kind of being careful. You know, yep. they're they're watching this happen and and yeah, so that would be probably the the main term. Well, and it, then there's that makes a lot of sense, JJ, because mm. it it kind of is built on a platform. If I understand it, and, and I mean I'm still trying to understand it, but essentially perpetuates what already exists. It's building off pre-existing information a lot of times, Correct. or basically all the time. Or again, yep. I don't fully understand it. So, it, but that would make sense that those small gaps maybe. And, and some of those aren't small gaps. Some of them are big gaps. But even a small gap over time could be magnified even more just purely based on scalability, I guess. So you got it. You got it. Shoot, there was something you said that I wanted to follow up on. I forgot. But yeah, it's like it's like a, this huge theme. It's super exciting. Yeah. And I'm seeing more and more in our in our space in the employee experience software space, just HR tech in general and work yeah. tech in general. So many use cases. Like we're exploring it here at WorkLeap within all of our products. Some have it really embedded 
in, in it, like work leap skills, work leap office vibe that revolves around engaging, managing performance and encouraging strong levels of engagement within your employees. We're looking at use cases where it can be applied to help managers respond to feedback. Yep. You know, it can be really, really powerful and it can generate more of the behaviors that we're looking for because when we see that managers respond to feedback, it could get really impactful on participation rates of surveys going up. And then when you think about like measuring is really awesome, but when you think about what can we do to take action on these scores, Think about the power of AI in terms of recommending different actions, not yep. only the manager can take, but also individuals, right? Have you thought about this? It can be an incredible connector. That my, that my point is, if we use it correctly and we go carefully, ethically about it. Totally agree. And, and this topic is like, a lot of the use cases you and I are used to are, are drastically different than maybe the use cases in... The companies that many of our listeners represent, manufacturing yes, companies, manufacturing. but in their own, they they are definitely paying attention to robots, and and there's a discussion: well, are the the robots going to be taking our jobs? And yep. you know, I and they've been I for think, a while. <laughs> yeah, that's been happening for a while, and I think what we're learning is they're not necessarily taking jobs; they're filling massive gaps for jobs that can't be filled right now because of a shortage because of, of the labor market. Yeah. Right, the labor market. So I think it's it's like. You have to take the extremes out of it. There's probably somewhere in the middle. It probably is going to, I mean, it's obviously going to change the way we work. And and robots are changing manufacturing every day, of course. But does it just straight up eliminate the human component? I I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, of course, there are no absolutes, but it certainly doesn't seem like it. So, No. And there was one thing that robots can't do. And some people have argued with me on that. and, And that's love. Robots can't love. They can show you signs of caring. The human element. Affection. But the human element is there. And there's a great article for from uh, Marcus Buckingham. He's one of my favorite authors. It's Making the Business Case for Love. I think it it, um, it was on, published on HBR, Harvard Business Review. And it was really powerful. And he was talking about AI in there and why, you know, some I'm people have might to argue. i that up. I yeah, think that can, would be a good a read. It's a really great read. Yeah. Which so, is the... We were talking about like, well, go ahead. No, 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 you're, please. You you're the ahead. lead on this. <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was getting ready to throw a completely different question at you, but. Well, I just wanted to mention for one second, because we talked about the labor market. I think if there's one word next to AI in that word cloud is skills, mm. right? And we'll talk, I guess we'll talk about that maybe later, but there's a huge buzz around skills. And building a skill-based organization, more and more organization transitioning from requiring degrees to looking for specific skills. And skills that are required today are evolving incredibly rapidly because of the rapid change in tech and, and AI being one of those massive changes. The skills that are required, but also the shortage of skills is really scary. And that's because of the demographic situation that we're in. And so that's a huge one too. I'm reading about that every single week. And then um, I like to always have three. <laughs> it's like yeah. my magic number. Yeah, you've got AI, you've got skills. Yeah. What else is in there? And then, well, the unhealthy balance between, you know, this current theme that's going on because of the economic climate. So the focus on productivity, doing more with less for mm. businesses, asking that of our people and trying to very carefully and sometimes having a really hard time balancing that with well-being 
So stress, burnout, all of that. And sustained engagement and performance. If you think about it, they just, they don't equal each other, right? When you're asking mm. people to do more with less and be more productive, sometimes that re that's really counterintuitive to being engaged and performing in a sustainable manner. That's one of like the, what's the word in English? Again, I speak French, right? So for your audience to know, the dichotomy between those yeah. two realities is is a really hard one to navigate right now. And I think that's going to like kind of bleed over to 2024. JJ, I've spoken English for 41 years now, and that word is barely, sadly, in my uh, lexicon. So <laughs> well done. Like You are one-upping me right now, and it's amazing. No, I love Thanks. it. Yeah. So remote culture has taken over many work settings. Gorilla is mm -hmm. one of them. And I think in some spaces like manufacturing, they're probably like, okay, everybody, we get it. You can all work from home and we can't. And <laughs> But for companies that can't go remote, flex, like being flexible uh, to the point of what we were saying earlier about, you know, yeah, I guess just being a more flexible work environment, workplace, what can these companies do? Are, are there any opportunities for them or is it kind of like you're out of luck? Are you seeing any research, no. anybody talking about this? Yeah. I think I'll start off by saying I hear you and I feel for you because one of the things that there's, there's a lot of the diet, the dialogue around this that's being monopolized by tech companies and marketing agencies, like those for whom. Like Gorilla. Like, yeah, like, like Gorilla. Like for whom flexible working is just something that's possible. And we are taking so much space in that discussion. I guess it must feel at times so annoying yeah. for employers who don't have that flexibility. So I'll start by saying I feel for you and I apologize. There are ways. Um, it's not taking, It's and it's probably biased by the, um, the areas I, I read into, which is a lot of tech-focused publications. But I do strongly believe that if we go back to the core, there are always ways to offer more flexibility to your employees. And I relate to that. My husband's a paramedic. Like ambulance service is not something you can do from right. home. He joked about it the other day and we laughed. Like this, he came home for lunch with his partner and he was like, this afternoon I'm working from home. I'm going to have my patients call me and they're going <laughs> to come in constantly. It's like, imagine if that were possible. If that how not it only in manufacturing, in healthcare, it's the, it's the case. Pharmaceutical, like there are so many industries that are not in this situation. So to answer your question, I think there are ways to offer some role flexibility. So if there's an opportunity for you to enable your employees to explore different responsibilities or just enable them to have them some flexibility on their schedule. Maybe that's an opportunity. Maybe on some of the tools that they use. Maybe on some of the how they get the work done. Like I don't have the magical solutions. I guess I would have to actually go into the workplaces and observe. But my default would be don't assume. As a business leader, if you think that that's not applicable inside your organization, my advice is you don't know what you don't know. So I would say, ask your people what flexibility they're hoping for, because maybe they can drive ideas that you would mm. never have thought of ever. So obviously, like the, the, the obvious ones are role flexibility, tools, schedule, whatever's in your realm of possibility. But just ask. Maybe they're seeing or craving for something that you can actually offer them I, with like minimal impact on you know, the quality of your products or or what you're building as a service. I, I had a podcast recording recently 
And the guest was was speaking about how they kind of looked at numbers and realized that it they're a manufacturing company and that mm-hmm. shutting down between Christmas and New Year really wasn't going to be that big of a hit for them in terms of like a, a bad impact on the business. And then mm-hmm. and and they were allowed or they've started doing that. And it's like for a manufacturing company to shut down a line for like four or five days, like the perception of that is is just that, you know, it's like, you just don't do that. But I think they're seeing in, in that episode, I talked about how like, it's like when you run a marathon, if you actually walk through the water stations for like an amateur runner, your yep. time will actually be better in the long run because of like, you get some rest, you get a, and I think that's, that's true with so much with flexibility. That's what we've learned with our business. People look at us and they're like, you give a lot of time off, you get whatever. And it's like, indeed. But when the people are here, like they are, they are there. They're delivering. So I I don't know. I guess there's multiple ways to look at it, but that's the way I like to do it, I guess. So completely agree with you. There are multiple ways. Feedback. Yeah. Kind of the theme that connected you and I in the first place, going back to like us using your tool as a software and loving it. But feedback is so important. So many companies struggle, whether it's getting feedback, knowing how to respond to feedback, just the whole kind of word cloud within feedback, mm-hmm. if you will, they struggle with. When you see a company that is excelling, that is doing well on that front, talking to their employees, listening, truly leading with empathy and and kind of meeting them where they are, mm-hmm. what what are they doing differently? Like what or what are the secrets or what trends are you seeing or just I don't know. Talk a talk a little bit about that, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I see it both ways, right? The company requesting or asking mm. for feedback input for their employees, but also leaders giving their employees feedback. This is a two-way street, right? This is a tough one, honestly, because I feel in everything that I've seen and all the companies I've talked to, it's a really it's a really a matter of culture. At the end of the day, it starts at the top. It starts with the DNA of the people leading the company. In your case, you yourself and Joe, it starts with what you believe in, right? And if When that's the start, it's reflected in how you hire your people, right? You'll look for specific things. You'll look for people who have a growth mindset, right? You'll search for that in your interviews, but it also impacts how you decide to grow your people. So the kind of career conversations you'll have with them, how you'll promote them, what kind of behaviors will lead to people being promoted and being a valuable Mm -hmm. contributor inside your organization it translates how you engage and measure the performance of your people. It's something that just lives in that DNA tissue of your organization. That's what I've seen companies excelling at receiving and asking for feedback. That makes total sense. It just, yeah, it's a question of values and that trans and how these values translate into your people practices. Honestly, that's that's what I've seen. The, the the on the contrast, the companies that I've seen use a tool like WorkLeap Office Vibe just to get input and just trying to measure something, but then do absolutely nothing with it. It's a catastrophe. People start stop responding to surveys and don't see the point in sharing their opinion because they don't see that affecting meaningful change inside the organization. What happens then? Like. You stop so, talking, right? Yeah. When you see that it doesn't change anything, you just, you shut up and then you become even worse cynical yep. towards your work environment and your leaders. And so, and the same thing, like if we talk about feedback from the perspective of 
having a really high feedback culture with your employees and applying practices where receiving feedback, candid, caring feedback from your peers. Again, it all comes back to hiring people and keeping people on board who have that growth mindset, who want to say, John, tell me, yes, of course, what you love about working with me, but tell me how I can make your job easier and how I can make our business better. And really wanting that feedback, incorporating it, that you you absolutely need to have growth mindset like people inside your organization. I, I totally agree. I also wanted to acknowledge something you said earlier. Like, thank you for just the kind words about how we're trying to do it at Gorilla. I mean, we we are trying, we yeah. are learning as we go, but I, I and thank you. And I think, yes, that, that data is just so helpful and mm-hmm. it's so informative. And I, I just, if you have any interest in seeing your business do well, I think you, you just have to act on it because to your point, otherwise, why even keep doing it? And maybe you're even lucky if they get to the cynical phase. Cause I think right now in the market, people can go somewhere else in an instant. So you can't, I mean, you got to do it. You got to listen to your people. Cynical phase will last like a day, right? Yeah. They'll just decide to go on LinkedIn and respond to those recruiters reaching out, reaching out. It won't last long, which is somewhat I, of a good thing because they don't become toxic long enough to impact your culture really negatively. But then what a missed opportunity because maybe you're letting go of a star player. Totally. And, and to your point about growth mindset, I think also like for so long, review discussions and all these things were such a formality and there was so much pomp and circumstance around it. And it's like, hold on a second, let's normalize this. Let's make it so we can have these discussions often. I think that's something that, that you all have spoke a lot about that has, has gotten us a a practice we've observed now or one-on-ones like weekly. I mean, I know it's not like you guys invented that, but you talk a lot about it. It's in your Mm -hmm. tool. And it made us think like, okay, why are we not doing this? Let's even if it's a 15 minute discussion weekly, every other week, if that's the best you can do, we kind of do it in a variety of ways. But you can't just do the quarterly or year in review anymore. It's just not going to get it done. You can't. And if you really go back to the basics of this, again, it was Marcus Buckingham who taught who inspired me this. He's saying at the very core, what people want is attention. Think about your friends, think about your children if you have any. What they want is attention and there's no, giving no attention to someone is so, so bad. So even if it's a little attention, just 15 minutes a week, just knowing that you matter and that someone cares about what you're doing and cares about removing your blockers, just that will do miracles, miracles for your employees. Just want to know that someone's listening, someone's watching, someone's caring. It's as simple as that. I'm making a note right here. I'm going off script. Did we get into, I feel like we've covered some of, I want to, this next question about because of tools like WorkLeap, which Gorilla yep. is a proud and grateful user, we still need to answer through most of that, right? Or did we cover off on it? You didn't get into like percentages and such, did you? No, I didn't. Okay. No, no, no. It's that's, up to you. It's really, no, let, it's really let's up ask to you. It. I mean, if you, if, if you don't think you've already covered all of this. I'd have another angle I would want to drive. Let's do it. Because of tools like like WorkLeap, which we just have kind of gotten into a bit, and and Gorilla is, I mean, I promise I am like number mm-hmm. one cheerleader for this tool, and we are not getting compensated. I want that to be very clear. I just love this <laughs> tool. Like, just, it's amazing. But I have access to so much data 
mm-hmm. tied to to my to the people at Gorilla and the, my teammates and how they're doing and and our managers have access to that data and it's just very it's so useful. I think often in these HR suite in the role, like people just simply don't take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have the data, maybe they, but they're just don't back to the point about closing the loop, mm-hmm. dig in even further. Like, why is this such a missed opportunity? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you talk about that because we recently published a study on measuring the ROI so return on investment of investing in employee experience. And mm. one of the things that we found, because we surveyed non-WorkLeap Office Vibe users and, and Office Vibe users, we really looked at different types of organization and we categorized them in between organizations that are highly investing in employee experience, which just doesn't always equal to a tool. Really, they're, they're, they have a, an EX strategy and they're making investments in it versus the organizations that are not investing highly in employee experience. And we were just comparing the two. And we found that low EX investment organizations actually collect more data, but they have less confidence in their data. That's fascinating. It is absolutely fascinating. And what that tells me is that the high EX investment organizations know what they want to measure and why they're measuring it. Mm. Because in this day and age, especially with like AI and all different sources of data everywhere, the quantity of information that you can collect is just astronomical. But what's the use if you're not making use yeah. of it? If it's not driving business decision, then who cares? It doesn't matter. And so I think that um, what this is telling us is There's a lack of strategy behind all of this data collection. Before you start measuring anything, you need to ask yourself what you're hoping to change, right? Asking the right questions is really key. If you're measuring employee engagement, like you are with WorkLeap Office 5 Pulse surveys, but you're not doing anything with that information, you're not using it to drive what programs you need to put in place or what management practices you need to fix, like discovering that one-on-ones would be a really good practice for your managers Mm -hmm. to start implementing. If you're if you're not going to use this information, then don't don't ask. Yeah, why why even put your people through the trouble? You're just adding something to their to do list. Exactly. If you're measuring turnover rate, but you're not you're not using that information for an obvious purpose, why bother? Right. Yeah, it's it kind of one in the same with when they actually tell you something and you don't listen. It's like why even ask? Like what? Exactly. Yes, same same exact thing. Exactly. So the point is, there was someone at at Gallup that was saying this. They said, you can measure a lot of things that have nothing to do with performance. As an example, if you're trying to move the needle on performance that don't and that that doesn't help the company implement a system that allows managers to create change. My point is, make sure you have a strategy for what you're measuring. Otherwise, the purpose is just not there. Makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. You I know you're passionate about that. Upskilling and kind of the topic of upskilling and why it matters. I think that's a concept that's very relevant to the audiences listening. Why does it matter in the workplace and any particular findings you have to tie back to it? Hmm. Josh Brisson has a lot of data. I've attended. If you don't know Josh, you could check Mm -hmm. him out. He's one of the most influential HR tech analysts. And he was painting this picture in one of the webinars that he was giving a couple of months ago and just talking about the fact that business issues 
have transformed to becoming people issues, right? We all know it, talent shortages, skills for the future, you know, dealing with all of this AI stuff we talked about. Yeah, the robots. The robots, managing people remotely. Think about the impact that's had on your 25 people company, shifting to managing people remotely, understanding how they're feeling when you're only seeing them through a Zoom screen or very rarely in the office. Attrition, the whole great resignation and the transforming into the quiet quitting and all of these things, but just the birth rates and the, 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 what's the word? My God, just population changing yeah. population so rapidly, growth. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We have retention issues. We have birth rates that are falling. There are more people that are retiring. Like it, as soon as next year, I think I was reading somewhere that there's going to be more Gen Z than there are baby boomers as soon as next year, 2024. That's scary. Like dealing with this generation and their expectations is completely different. Dealing with tech in the future is completely different. What's going to be required for companies to stay alive is changing in this new world. And the pace of innovation is so fast. It's just evolving at a really insane way, right? So the focus on skills is really important, right? Because we know that the people that are going to be entering the workforce, what's going to be required for them to help their business succeed is very different than what was required 40 years ago. And so that's why skills are top of mind, because we're asking these people to be able to do more with less, right? So the yep. skills required to interact with technology, but also interact with these different generations that are coming into the workforce require for very different management skills, but also individual contributor skills. So I hope that answers your question. No, it, it does. And and I, it kind of leads nicely into, I think upskilling at times can often be tied to a development plan or part of mm -hmm. someone when it comes to a development plan, like the, the perfect development plan, what does that look like? Like what, what are kind of, what are the elements of it characteristics? What's the outline of it look like? I think that most importantly, it should be done with your employee. One of your leaders, Grace, I believe, shared a post on LinkedIn yeah, Grace, about right. that. I love that so much. So I'm going to steal some of the elements from there because when she shared that in such like a simple manner, I thought it was great. A lot of it was her saying, don't assume, just ask, right? She was saying not everyone wants to go into a, yeah. a CMO or a CEO role. Not everyone is an entrepreneur like you. Some people are really happy with evolving and adding a couple of responsibilities here and there in their role. Not everyone has the same aspiration as the bottom line. So you need to ask. And so to me, that requires a dialogue. It requires mm. a, like goal setting aside. It requires understanding who's in front of you. And for that, you need to flex your curiosity muscles, right? So it's getting to another person, what their values are, what's important to them, what success for their career looks like to them what pace of change or like pace of growth they're comfortable with and once you figure that out and you also understand how they got to where they are right how experience past job experience and past relationship with leaders and different companies they've worked at has shaped the worker they are today that gives room for such a deeper relationship with all of your direct reports right and that's a lot of work. A lot of leaders will say like, oh my God, you're talking like 
hour long conversations with my employees and like regular one on ones when you're really spending time giving them attention, trust me, it's completely worth it. Because if you avoid those conversations, it'll make that yearly conversation you try to have so with much them easier. So it's it, what we were saying earlier. It's just so much easier. It's worth the investment because like when course you're, correct along the way instead of realizing you're. 500 crap. miles down the the wrong or 500 kilometers down the yes. wrong the wrong path. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for adapting to our our system for calculating. It's the least I can do for butchering <laughs> every remote bit of French. I was thinking about trying to say goodbye in French at the end of this, but I'm like I I don't even want to try that. So I'll say it for you. You can just repeat it after me. Uh, but to me, a lot of the a lot of this sh- should be the employee driving it. And one of the things that I see leaders doing wrong all the time is this, first assuming they have the answers. Completely wrong. Your path for success. I've seen so many managers do this. Is not necessarily the one your employee wants. Get right. to know them. Get to understand them, and then put them in the driver's seat because. They should own that accountability. Yes, as a manager, you're there to push them. You're there to encourage them. You're there You're there to give them visibility into opportunities they might not have seen. You're there to be a connector, right? You know your business. You know probably where the business is headed if you're sitting on the leadership team. You now, if you spend the time understanding your team member, you now have a really nice Venn diagram, like, yeah. like Grace was, ta- was saying in her post. But the business still matters, right? You still hired them to do a specific job and you still expect them to deliver a specific outcome. So focus their performance goals on that. Keep them very few, one or two. There's really, at the end of the day, probably one, two, maybe three things you're responsible for delivering in the course of the year. Focus on that. But balance that with one or two development goals and Remember, go back to that Venn diagram. You know what the company is is looking to achieve in its strategy for the next couple of years, even just for the next year. Try and find this one little stretch project that you can give that employee so that they're developing at least a new skill that will fit in really nicely with their career destination. And again, do that every year. Year after year, you're getting them closer. It doesn't have to be like an automatic promotion. Small baby steps. And you're there to coach them. And if you're having those ongoing conversations, it's awesome. You can yeah. do that over the course of the year, as opposed to like it feeling like an overwhelmingly huge milestone they have to attain themselves if you're only doing like an annual review, right? Yeah, I, I just like the idea so much of like walking in unison with someone, with your direct report or your manager, yes. instead of it being like these two people behind desks talking to each other and like, like it's silos. I I think that's truly, yeah. Like the idea behind servant leadership, like what can I do to make it it so you can do your job? Like, let me get the stuff out of your way because I, you do your job better than I do it. So I need to let you do it. Like, I, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool idea. But the image here, like I want to stress nicely on the fact that this you're, you're in a car together. Yeah, And not to use the AI analogy being a co-pilot, but that's where as a manager, you're the co-pilot, like you're playing the tunes. You're telling them, oh, what about, you know, going this, this route instead of that route? Yeah, it's going to take a little more time. I love that. Playing the tunes is good. That's good. But then like give them alternative routes, right? You're, I I told my leader one day, it's like, I don't need you to be my 
my my GPS telling me where to go and which turn to take. I need you to be my compass. I need you to bring me back north when I'm going south. Help mm. me see the things that I'm not seeing. You're my driver in you're my you're my co-pilot in that car, but I'm driving. It's my career. Yeah, I don't need you to tell me what to do. I need you to guide me. You know? And I think at times it's, I, I was just talking about this today as well, but like, you got to like give some permission to fail and create some space where people can make, you know, obviously if you see a big one coming, okay, well, let jump in. But like, if it, of course. I don't know, I think it's healthy to fail and it provided that doesn't happen again and again and again. Like I did guest earlier in the year, talk about how he views mistakes as tuition and yeah. like, it's like paying your money for a college course and you can either learn from the course or you can find yourself taking the class again and again and again. So I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. It goes back to the growth mindset, but also we, we didn't speak to psychological safety. Like and another way to talk about that would be the safe space. And those, those continuous conversations and those one-on-ones that we're talking about where I was insist- insisting on first getting to know each and one of your team member, that's incredibly important because that's how you build psychological safety. Mm. That's how you build that safe space so that it becomes, we were talking about feedback earlier, it becomes easier for you to give them that feedback, you know, when they didn't do well. And that probably will happen, right? Or they're missing the mark on delivering something or meeting an objective or embodying a company value. When you have that safe space, I can say, hey, John, wait a sec, I need to talk to you about something. And that person won't be scared. They'll be like, oh, okay, like, let's sit down. Let's have this conversation. Let let me give you my perspective and like welcome yours. And we'll reach a really happy compromise because we trust each other. Yeah. You don't spend time getting to know your team member. Throw that, The rest goes into the garbage. It's like wasted effort. I, I was fortunate and I say it, I, I was fortunate that an employee came to me today earlier and kind of had one of the, I got to talk to you. And it was a great conversation. And I think we've already corrected the issue, but I'm not saying that to pat ourselves on the back, but it is something mm. we work hard at Gorilla to create is kind of that space where people can talk. And and sometimes it's as the leader, when you can tell they're nervous, it's like, gosh, I, I just want them to not even be nervous at all and not even hesitate yeah. ever. But it takes time to get there, I think. And it's trust, to your like, point, the trust. It's trust. And it often comes from PTSD. Like they've yeah. had bad experience with past leaders. That changes you for life. Like yeah. we've all, I, hopefully we we ha- not have all had these kinds of leaders. I have. And it takes I have. time I mean, yeah, yeah, it, to recover from that. It's really, really tough. But when you have it, my gosh, it's so special. And when you think about it, it's true for any type of relationship. Relationship with your employer is no different than relationship with your partner, your kids, your friends. It's the same thing. When trust I, is not there, all, all hell breaks loose, as we amen. say. Amen. Yeah. Anything we didn't cover today, we got a lot in. I mean, we were all over the board. I think it was pretty good. We were, but yeah, we anything talked about else? So many stuff. <laughs> no, I we just it's up to you. I could talk about these things. Oh, I like, know. I think we could all do day it. long. I'm passionate for it, but we need to have like a a reoccurring JJ on the show. It's like the <laughs> like reports from the field, or like I don't know, or like the research. I think the research is so interesting because it's just so. I, I, I think don't know. That it's would so be informative. Really, really cool. Yeah. One of the things I'm studying next, John, is the power of connection. Mm. And by connection, I'm not only talking about people connection, but I'm also talking about connection to information, connection to data, 
and to knowledge. And I'm thinking about that as we're growing WorkLeap to be a suite of products, right? So for the longest time, it, it used to be just about engagement. Now we right. added the performance and the recognition. And then with the other tools, we're adding in skills and learning and all of that because we know it's part of the future. Just with the the, um, the quantity of information and learning sources that we have and the different ways to learn and grow and acquire new skills, I'm really seeing, I really want to tie that back to the power of an organization enabling those connections mm. for for their workers. I'm seeing the workplace become kind of this web of different connections, right? So it's probably going to evolve from like an incredibly hierarchical model that where you have the leader at the top, blah, 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 and like certain people act because of formal authority as connectors. That's not how the business of the future is going to happen. Just think about how AI is going to play a role in that it makes sense it's really going to become like this web so i want to study not obviously i'm super passionate about like social and human connections but i also want to see how technology can help human beings make connections that are just harder because of how overwhelmed our brains are to other types of, like I said, data sources, like knowledge, like where, where does knowledge live inside your organization? If you're growing past a certain point, we live that at, at Workly, going from 100 to 200 to 400 um, big. big people, like it's it's getting to be a pretty big company. When I joined, there was like 100 of us. Now there's it's 420. Amazing. It's, but you know, the human, a human cannot um, caps at right. 150 connections, right? Past that point, you don't know who knows what, who does what, who has which, which skill, who you can learn from, who could be a mentor. And I'm really, really interested in drilling into that in the future. I can't wait to hear more about it. Yeah, I can't it's going to be fun. The workplace, like to conclude on that, I think the future of work is incredibly inspiring. Yeah. Like I can't wait to see where it goes. We just have to be careful about keeping you know, human touch, the love, yeah. the people connection. Which like, all great op opportunities, all great, whatever. Mm. It, it always comes with some risk, but like I, it does. I like to think we'll figure it out. We'll we'll see. TBD. I think T so. Tune I in. Think so. Tune in to find out. <laughs> to the future of work. <laughs> well, JJ, mm. thank you so much for spending time with us today on on the show pleasure how can our listeners learn more maybe it, do you happen to know about a podcast related to checking vibes that uh you might be able to share <laughs> yes where can people get in touch with you yes thank you so we do have a podcast that is called vibe check you can find us on youtube and on spotify i have the honor of being a host so this flip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the host and I get to bring people on for amazing conversations. We've had amazing guests so far. And it's like, a great show. Oh, oh yeah, it's a good show on a wide variety of subjects. I, re I really geek out on talking about things like gratitude. There's a couple of episodes that are, well, all the episodes are good, but I get a kick out of interviewing these people. Otherwise on LinkedIn. So just uh, type my first name, Julie, and then last name, Jeanette. So that's J-E-A-N-N-O-T-T-E. Just, just type Julie Office Vibe probably in, in Google find and you'll her. find me. Yeah, you can connect on me through LinkedIn or just send me an email. I'll be glad to, to connect. Well, awesome. Well, now it's time to say au revoir. 
Oh, I thought I was just hoping it was just going to be bonjour. Or wait, no, that's bonjour. Uh, wait, no, yeah, that's bonjour uh, is hello, right? That's hello. And then See, au that's where yes. au revoir is goodbye. All right, we're gonna have to edit that part out because that's really embarrassing that I don't even know that. <laughs> oh um, no, I think that's pretty awesome. You should keep that in. <laughs> keep it in. <laughs> well, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Employer. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role that company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.